Our scripture reading today is Deuteronomy chapter 29, verse 1 through 9. Our message is covenant renewal, God's enduring promise. This is the final sermon in our series in Deuteronomy. (coughs) After this, we will be actually going through um, Psalm 119 and looking at God's enduring word, scripture itself. So Deuteronomy 29, verse 1 through 9, this is the Lord's word. These are the words of the covenant that the Lord commanded Moses to make with the people of Israel in the land of Moab. Besides the covenant that he had made with them at Horeb. And Moses summoned Israel and said to them, You have seen all that the Lord did before your eyes in the land of Egypt. To Pharaoh and to all his servants and to all his land. The great trials that your eyes saw, the signs and those great wonders. But to this day, the Lord has not given you a heart to understand or eyes to see or ears to hear. I've led you 40 years in the wilderness. Your clothes have not worn out on you and your sandals have not worn out on your feet. You have not eaten bread and you have not drunk wine or strong drink that you may know that I am the Lord your God. When you came to this place, Sihon, the king of Heshbon, and Og, the king of Bashan, came out against us to battle, but we defeated them. We took their land and gave it for an inheritance to the Reubenites, the Gadites, and the half-tribe of the Manassites. Therefore, keep the words of this covenant and do them, that you may prosper in all that you do. May the Lord bless us in the reading of his word. We come to the end of this sermon on Deuteronomy. And we have seen that the book of Deuteronomy is about God's grace. That the whole Old Testament is about God's grace. But it's grace in its childlike form. It's grace in its elementary form. It's grace in its pre-Christ form. Because that grace has yet to be fully understood by us, his people, until the coming of Christ. God simply says to the people of Israel, I've saved you. Out of my sheer good pleasure, I have mercy on you. Out of my sheer good pleasure. And we are called out, or they are called out to him and to become his people. God calls them Israel, my son, my firstborn son. They have fellowship with him. God establishes his covenant with them. Covenant of Abraham, the covenant of circumcision. God forms a covenant of Sinai with him by creating the the, the temple and all its sacrifices. And these sacrifices point both to grace that we see in Deuteronomy, but these sacrifices also point to law. That God had given the law to his people, not prior to grace, but after. Not prior to relationship, but after. Not as a condition for a relationship, but after. And he did so to remind us and to show us how we can love him. 
It reminds us and shows us that when we fail, and we will fail, that these sacrifices were necessary. And even so, God's grace is with us. But we learn later on that these sacrifices are not enough. And even the people during that time, even the prophets later on in the Old Testament, they knew that something greater had to happen. There needed to be something greater than this. These sacrifices just don't cut it. This is why I say this is grace and law, and it's childhood stage, it's infant stage, and it's pre-Christ stage. Because they see the pieces of the puzzle, but there's a piece missing for its solution. And that piece that was missing, we as Christians know that's Christ himself. Christ embodies grace and law all at the same time. We come to Christ, Christ and we see graciousness, his love for us. We see Christ and we see the fulfillment of the law that he's paid for our sin. We see the fulfillment of the law as well in terms of his graciousness to us afterwards. His continual ministry to us through the Holy Spirit. And therefore we go and love just as he has loved. All the shadows that we see have been perfected in Christ today. And so we celebrate Deuteronomy by seeing the themes come out, teaching us and preparing us to fully understand the import, the magnificence of Christ's coming, his death and his resurrection. But today is sort of be a recap of all our messages. Because here in Deuteronomy 25, that's sort of what Moses does. Moses is finishing up his sermon, his messages, his charges to the second generation ready to cross into the promised land. And there's something that we need to understand about Deuteronomy and about the Old Testament, about the New Testament, and it's just about Scripture itself to understand the Christian life. The first is this, is in this covenant renewal, covenant renewal, what, what Moses is doing is that Moses has a step-by-step -step procedure by how he reminds people of God's goodness to them. And the first, we've talked a little bit about this, is there's always a historical prologue. In other words, God wants you to remember his goodness. Remember his goodness. Do you remember God's goodness to you? I know some of you have told me that you have a journal. And journaling is one of the most beautiful things to do. And then you go back and you read your journal when things are difficult in your life. And then your journal are filled with all the ways that God has been faithful to you. And for many of you, or for some of you, 
you have that journal and you just go back and in a sense read that same journal over and over again. If you read Deuteronomy, you will get bored if you're looking for new things. It's very repetitive. It talks about the same history over and over because it's the only history Israel has. But that doesn't dissuade Moses. Moses is not looking for a better story. <laughs> Moses is not looking for the newest ways to interpret what God has done. Moses isn't looking for other things that perhaps that God has done that we don't know of yet. God is, Moses is not looking for secret knowledge that perhaps can help people that extra step they need to grow in their faith. But Moses simply reminds people of the, of the blessings, the rescuings that God has done. And he never tires of them. He never tires of reciting those stories. He never tires of seeing the power in those stories. For us as, as believers, there are two things. One is your own personal story. When is the last time you shared your story of your faith and been excited about it? That has encouraged you. That has strengthened you. I know that some of you, when you share your testimony, you're just like, you know, I just, I just came to know Jesus. Blah, blah, blah. It's like, what are you talking about? No. Tell me your story. You know, when, when we do, when I do premarital counseling, and, you know, Peter and Young Jim will find this out today. You know, the, <coughs> the, the first thing that I make them do in front of me, and I'm going to reveal this to all of you, the first thing I do is I say, you tell her your testimony in front of me. It's got to be at least 10, 15 minutes long. Tell me, tell her your story of how God had saved you and those times that God has rescued you and then vice versa. Does it make your heart jump? The story, are the stories so common to you now that has lost its power over you? God has given you these stories to encourage you. The second thing is, and we went over this already, it's just the stories in Scripture, that they're your history. You reread Scripture, not because it's something separate from us, we read scripture not because now it's a part of us. It's part of our story. It's part of our history. Abraham is my father. It's your father. Jesus is my brother. He's, he's your brother. The genealogies that we see in, in Matthew and Lord, Luke, that's, that's our genealogy. This is my people. And for us, it's enjoying being connected with 
all that God has done. That gives us a sense of connectedness to God and his people. And a history of who we are. Yes, I do believe it's important to learn about Asian American history. I do. I do do think it's important to understand the history of, of, of gender in our states. But you know what? Without the history of knowing who you are in Christ, those histories will overtake you. Our knowledge of scripture, of who he is and what he's done, defines who we are. It's our history. And this is what Moses does. And this is what I'm asking you to do here today in this service. This covenant renewal. And what that simply is, is for us to remember that God has been faithful to us. For us to remember all of that. And then for us to commit ourselves later. What do we do on Sundays? Sunday worship is not about anything fancy or, or, or new. It's simply about remembering what he has done. And in fact, if I say something here that's new or that's not in Scripture, you should say there's something strange here. For us, the comfort is in knowing that what's revealed in Scripture is our history. That what God has done in our own personal lives and the life of this church, it's our history. And that we see God's faithfulness in it. History telling is reality making. But especially if that history is that divine history of the Lord revealed to us. Another wonderful thing about this historical prologue in this passage that we, that's, that's wonderful, is it talks about the fact that there have been dry times in our lives. God is the one who made his people wander 40 years. God is the one who made his people thirst. You might say, at first look, that's, that's harsh from our God. But that's not the way we as believers see it. We as God's people, we see that as mercy above all else. There's nothing more merciful than for us to see that God is who we need. And that at times, the sufferings the wilderness where he places us, his people, is the place that will see his greatest, the fact that his grace is, is needed in our lives. When you have those times where you feel like you're nowhere, and you open your journal, and you see a month that there's nothing written, except for the words perhaps, I know God is here. I know that he's here. In my faith, you walk with him. You see that in your past, God's presence in miracles, God's presence in salvation, God's presence in your testimonies, that he's not only there, but he's there in the emptiness 
of those times that you have as well. God's history for you. Own it. Embrace it. Be thankful for it. See his hand in it. See his grace in it. And share that story with one another. As God's people. The second thing that he does is he reads his law. <coughs> this is in Deuteronomy 31, uh, verse 9 through 13. And we see this in Ezra and Nehemiah as well when they have returned um, from being exiled. And they want to start things all over again. And so they have a covenant renewal ceremony as well. And then people are standing and, and Moses is reading um, um, the law of the Lord. And most likely it's, it's the book of Deuteronomy. And he just reads the whole thing. For us as God's people, it's not only looking at our history, but it's also looking at the law of God, seeing its perfection, seeing God's character that allows us to measure our hearts to him. And to ask God for forgiveness. And to ask God for power to follow after him. We're going to go in depth in this in the next, after, after um, next week Easter, as we go through Psalm 119. We're going to see how the law functions. How scripture functions. And just the joy that is in looking at the law of the Lord. You see, if, if you look at simply the history, there's a tendency for us to get sentimental. We're not into sentimentality. When we look at the law of the Lord and its perfection, and it's read to us over and over again, we have a sense of what? One is, our, is how small we are. Number two is how sinful we are. And number three is how holy God is. And as we look at the law, we see God's character revealed to us. And then our desire grows. This is what the law does. Our desire grows. To see the graciousness of God and his love for us, and our desire grows to follow and to please him. And so for us, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. You ask yourself the question. We ask ourselves the question as we look into that. Have I loved the Lord the God with all my heart, soul, and mind? Have I really kept the Sabbath day holy? Have I really just laid my heart to him and no other gods? Have I really loved my neighbor, my enemy? Have I really pleased God in the fullness of what he demands of me as his child? 
And our heart's response to that has to be to run to God for forgiveness and to receive that forgiveness. And, to, and with that forgiveness, run to obey him. This is the way Moses argues to his people. And this is the way today I'm arguing to you. Because the third thing that he asked the people to do, after recounting their history, after showing them the law, is to ask them the question, so now, who will you serve today? Who will you follow today? You need to make a decision. And a decision can't be, I'm going to kick that can down the road. Because for at least these people that are about to cross the Jordan, if they don't say yes, they'll be left behind. For us as well, our decision-making can't be, let me see down the road. Some of you will be in relationships. And you'll, you'll start to understand that dating is the hardest relationship there is in, I think, all of human history. I shouldn't say that. But in present-day history, dating is hard. That's hard because there's, there's a lot of things to that. But the hardest part is waiting to see whether we can make a commitment to one another. In the course of that dating, you build a history and go, oh, yeah, we had great times. Of course, in that dating, you sort of get to know one another and you get to know each other's character so you know how to sort of love the other person and vice versa. But then that question comes, will you commit to me? And if you yourself, any of us, who's ready to commit, the other person says, let me kick that can down the road just a little bit more. But the difference with God is this. God has already committed himself to you. God has fully invested in you. For us, our prayers and our hearts, by God's grace, we can say yes. And it starts today, not tomorrow, not the day after. It starts today. Whatever circumstances you may have, God already knows those circumstances. And God's saying, in the midst of those, today you say yes. And we say yes to him. That we may behold his glory and walk with him. So my church, our church, our people, 
Let's say yes. During this week, as I've shared with you, it's Holy Week. Now, we don't have Ash Wednesday. We don't do Monday, Thursday. We don't have all these days where we, we meet together always to, to worship God. And so it's incumbent upon you. When you come to community group, when you come to college group, on your own with the Lord, with brothers and sisters you might live with, to say with to them, I've committed my life to the Lord again. I'm going to fast. I'm going to pray. I'm going to listen to the Lord. I'm going to follow him. I'm not going to wait till tomorrow. I'm not going to wait until my relationships change. I'm not going to wait until my life stage. I'm just going to do it today. And believe me, God is already with you. Let the Lord bless us. Remember your history. Look at God's character. Say yes to his grace. Yes to his love. Let's pray.